Hey, Passionate DJs, just a quick reminder that we depend on your support. If you'd like to sign up to gain access to our exclusive bonus episodes every month, sign up to become a supporter at patreon.com forward slash passionate DJ. Also, it's October, which means that for this month only, I'm selling our exclusive midnight edition of our classic Passionate DJ logo t-shirt. We sold these last year, and you guys really liked them. So until the end of this month, you can get yours by just going to PassionateDJ.com slash 160, the show notes for this episode, and get yours today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and today I have a special guest. Thanks for joining us. Would you introduce yourself to the podcast audience and tell us about yourself? Uh, Hi, everybody. My name's John Becker, and I'm here from Cincinnati, and I am the community organizer for Fresh Local Producers. So are you your producer yourself? Uh, I don't produce any originals. The most I've ever done was a mashup. Okay. Or, you know, I, I produce mixes because I don't DJ on turntables. I DJ using software called okay. Mixmeister, which is all laptop based. I know Mixmeister. Okay. I haven't used that in a number of years, but it's, I put together a, a mix or two with that. It's ancient technology. Yeah. Speaking of technology. So they still update that and, and keep they, it up? I mean, it works for me. I, I haven't had any hiccups. Cool, so cool. I used it for like a decade. So what's yeah. your... Uh, stylistically, what are you into, you know, music-wise? Well, you know, as I'm an artist first, uh, that's how I got into doing Fresh Local Producers. And so back in the day, five, six years ago, I was performing as Big Electric. And Big Electric had uh, a sound that was mostly like orchestral electro. If you think of like Justice or like Castlevania, artists of that nature. Um, Daft Punk's Human After All, you know, that that type of stuff. But over time tastes changed and I started to take commissions and things like that. And so I sold out, I guess you could say for big electric and I did things for uh, charities and for friends and just took on challenges. So um, after that, I just decided to do fresh local producers to take the music of people who are uh, friends that I've met over the years who are artists and uh, have a platform to promote them on. Okay, and that's sort of what brings us here today. I wanted to learn a little bit more about Fresh Local Producers and see kind of what your, where your head's at with this, what you're trying to do with it, uh, what you are doing with it so far, and just, uh, you know, give us a little more detail. I mean, what's, um, what, what's the goal here? Uh, I don't know if I have a goal beyond people feeling like they have a place where they belong. Um, it's a great goal. It's it's an ongoing goal because there's no terminus to it. So it's something where if somebody of any level of expertise or experience on producing or, or, or DJing for that matter, but especially producing, um, want people to have an opportunity to connect with other artists, um, producers with producers, producers with DJs, DJs with DJs. Uh, but The point of that being that when I was coming up, I noticed that Cincinnati and maybe maybe the industry in general, but it was very highly segmented and I didn't feel that I could, for instance, socialize with one crew if I was with another crew. So there was a lot of territorialism and clicky clicky claiming uh, and that may never change. And it makes sense, too, for the purposes of branding and for the purposes of of establishing an audience. For instance, um, there's Bass Cult in in Dayton, which you go to a Bass Cult show, you're probably not going to hear trance. Um, So that's there's it serves a purpose. But 
you know, I didn't want to be a label. I didn't want to be a crew. I just wanted to be a resource, a community resource for all artists of all genres to be able to share ideas and, and again, come together. Okay. I want to get a little bit more into your, uh, your approach and your philosophies behind this stuff, but, uh, exactly what does it consist of? Like if, uh, well, first of all, let's address the, the local part. You're based okay. out of Cincinnati. Yes. So what does local mean to you in the this context? The local radius, if you will, would be like two-hour drive of Cincinnati for me. Okay. So that's – and, and the, the tagline is the best electronic beats in the Midwest. But beats is spelled like fresh local produce, so it's a vegetable beat. Yes, yeah. And we have a – made a t-shirt run and it said let us turn up the beat that's a common expression <laughs> right but we didn't coin that but uh you know just the idea of the pun and the fun there um yeah so it, it's a two-hour radius of cincinnati so dayton columbus uh indianapolis lexington louisville there there's a couple of, uh, of friends we made in west virginia but just around Cincinnati because a, it's a place I want to be able to drive to like here in Dayton. Um, and B it's a place where I wanted to establish a proximity, a physical proximity so that people could come together and meet each other. And there's no substitute for that. Like we're meeting now. So you're, you're physically meeting people in person and getting them together face to face. Yes. That's, that's instrumental. Okay. To what FLP is supposed to be. So we have meetups. So we have, for instance, next weekend, there's going to be an open decks party in the suburb of Northern Kentucky. Okay. People are welcome to bring whatever gear they have. And that's hosted by a guy who's a 20, I think a 20 year veteran named uh, Scott Ruckers, Scott Ruckus. Um, so he has a residency and he's played all over Cincinnati. A lot of, uh, uh, a lot of good minds to, to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few more questions, but before I get into that, I do want to mention real quick for our audience, uh, those of you on the YouTube audience hopefully can see the shirt that I'm wearing right now. This is, uh, long-time listeners will recognize this as the uh, midnight edition of the classic logo tee, which I only sell in the month of October. So definitely head over to passionatedj.com slash merch and pick yours up while they're still around. We got a, a little bit of response from that last year. People like the, uh, the limited edition version of the shirt. Um, it's the classic logo. Those of you who uh, have been around for a while will remember the horizontal passionate DJ logo that I started out with. And uh, every now and then I do a run of one of these shirts. So head over to passionatedj.com slash merch and pick yours up. Um, so with fresh local producers, what is it that you, when people are seeking this out or when they, when they find it, what is it that you're um, trying to get them to take away in the spirit of collaboration or are you trying to teach them something or are you trying to learn from them as it building community? I mean, what's it, what are your kind of overall goals with that? Sure. Um, it's, it's only been around for about a year, year and a half. Okay. And so it's still fairly new. Uh, I have a mission statement uh, that I created as well as a full uh, manifesto, if you will. So okay. uh, uh, everything you said it includes that it's 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 very amorphous uh, for the purpose of fitting into the role of whatever somebody wants it to be. So we've had a, a web radio show on the, okay. the on the inhaler radio station in Cincinnati and then uh, out of a station in over the Rhine. Uh, we've we've hosted uh, showcases where people will perform. We're hosting uh, soon enough at the end of this month, we're hosting uh, a round table, round table beat cipher where people can come together and, and share ideas awesome. to create music. Um, like, and, and then incidentally, we'll just have casual dinners, casual group get together. So really 
it's it's that concept of togetherness, that concept of belonging that escaped me when I was entering the scene. I want somebody who is in this region, who is new to it and interested in it to feel like immediately there's a place where they can go to participate and contribute and especially learn. This is great because this sounds very familiar. This is kind of mm-hmm. like what I wanted for DJing when I started Passionate DJ sure. is, is yeah. that kind of thing. Of course, this is a lot more locally focused, which I really like because then you can that the community gets a little more direct attention when you can yeah. kind of curate this like and plus you can meet in person and, and do all these things yeah. and, and that's wonderful um do you uh run into a lot of people you know producing different ways you know get all kinds of different software and hardware and, and stuff like that i mean is oh yeah is it the kind of thing where where people are collaborating and learning from each other um, well, so the, the the thrust that I found is helpful for that is that we have a weekly mix show. I, I guess I misuse the word podcast. We have a weekly mix okay. show on SoundCloud um, and also MixCloud, but that's a duplicate duplicative. Uh, what I'm trying to do with that is mixing together these local artists, uh, local producers, music as a way of virtual introduction, okay. as an intro, yeah. and then one of them featured as a guest artist. So it's their... It's their likeness, it's their music selection, it's hopefully their music, and in a quick interview with them, like a Q&A, five questions awesome. of basic, you know, who are your favorite artists, where are your favorite venues, just so that there's, uh, it resembles community building in a way that's that's much more casual and, and much more, um, to me, natural to kind of integrate all that together in that format. Um, so that's been the thrust of it, but with the meetups um that's that's really the next step to do that more frequently to do that in a way that's accessible to people and and do that in a way that's of interest to people and that's always the challenge so you've got what 50 or 60 of these mixes by now right about yeah about 55 and so what are you what are you noticing that's like people's approach to making these because to me it would be obvious because I'm a DJ show so they would be putting together a DJ mix but you're focusing on the producer so are you are they still doing DJ mixes are you getting sort of live PAs or are they compiling personally produced tracks what what have you seen with that um, so there's one instance where somebody recorded their set live uh, from a furry convention oh, wow. that was pretty okay. cool um, there it was Vander. Uh, there was another instance where this artist had songs that they had recorded and actually mastered from different mastering engineers. And I, she, she gave me those songs and I mixed them together for her with her approval. Okay. And then we really said that was with Abby Vice of Vice Ensemble. Uh, and then most of the time, as I said, it's, it's just my random selection of, of songs that, you know, are, are not hopefully too, uh, uh, different from the featured mm. artist and then that's blended into with a vocal id like a uh, like a watermark on, okay. the, on the actual track so you hear when the transition happens over to basically handing the mic over handing the turntables over to that sure. artist um and and that making those mixes myself keeps me engaged as an artist that it's interesting to me because i love to make mixes and i love to find those those nuances that blend together so um not always djs not always edm artists but electronic artists and that's the way that we approach it has it all kind of centered around house techno drum and bass that kind of stuff or everything i mean we've had everything from vander was melbourne house 
uh, Melbourne Bounce, sorry. Um, Abby is uh, trip hop, as she described it. Um, we've had people who've played like Resonance. We've had people who play the sound camps at Lost Lands. I mean, the whole spectrum. So okay. that's supposed to be an inclusive umbrella. And that's represented in that, you know, everybody who's an artist is welcome to, to do one. And I work with everybody to, you know, have that, that community there. What's the... Uh... Is there an online presence? Is there like a Facebook group or something that uh, people who are in the area might want to become oh, a part of? Absolutely. So everything that I've branded is just slash fresh local producers. Um, still working on like Instagram, potentially a website, website but there is a, a Facebook group. It's just one of these things where I want it to, the test to be relevant. I don't want this to be a place where it's it's only promoters promoting shows or people promoting things that are unrelated to the act of producing or or DJing. What I really am hoping people will will do and sharing that on Facebook or sharing that with each other is when they make those connections that they're sharing their work product, that they're sharing Mm. what they've made, whether that be a mix or that be, you know, a clip of them performing somewhere, that that should be a point of pride and empowering people to feel like what they're doing is worthwhile. And, And specifically, I can give you an instance that last night I was approached by a DJ friend um, who got his first gig at Aster, which is a really cool cocktail bar in downtown Cincinnati, brand new in one of the skyscrapers. And he said, I got a gig here. It's top 40. It's no big deal, but would love to, to have you come down and see me. And I said, every show matters. Every, every, every instance of Absolutely. opportunity matters. And so don't, don't ever feel diminished that you're not getting um, the the love and respect and encouragement that you deserve as an artist. We talk about that on the show sometimes. It's it's frustrating for, you know, this is something that we run into in Dayton all the time because Dayton's kind of random. It's it's a crapshoot, right? Like you'll have one show and it'll just be a blowout. You'll have another show and nobody will show up. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of, it, it's tough to plan what names you're bringing in, like, a, you know, how much you're going to pay for, for talent and stuff like that. And it's frustrating for, for local artists to have to play empty rooms you know for sure and we've all had to do it Mm -hmm. um and we we always try to encourage the listener in the same way like hey these these gigs matter because first of all you never know who's going to walk in and it could be somebody that was good to impress right Mm -hmm. but also every time that you're mixing in public even if there's quote nobody in the room you're gaining experience you're learning something um and you're you know, use it as an opportunity, you know, course, try, yeah. try something new out, see what that one track sounds like. I mean, right. there's always something or better speakers than your headphones or yeah. your monitors at home. So. There's, there's always a positive spin that, you know, and, and so many people just, I've seen people walk off the decks cause, cause nobody was there. You know? It's, it's a rehearsal in the sense of what you are going to be doing and conducting yourself in a professional manner. Exactly. So people who see that you whoever that might be walking in the front door at any time who see that the opener isn't conducting themselves with enthusiasm, isn't conducting themselves with a desire uh, and a, a passion, they're a passion, a passion to be there and whatever kind of performance it is that they, that they are discouraged too easily that they don't have the resilience and the wherewithal to stay that they're not going to last very long. But because that's such an unnatural situation to be in that performance forum, um, that's why that encouragement is really essential um, that without that, it's easy yeah. to feel like nobody cares. And why am I wasting my time doing this? If, if there's one person on the dance floor and you shake their hands after the, the set and thank them and you guys have a nice exchange, then you may have made a fan or a friend for life, you know? Exactly. And I've, I mean, I say that from experience. It's happened to me. 
you know so it's mm. it's really important um and i really like the the very um very hyper focused and very small kind of curated approach that that you're taking here like these people within a certain radiance radius who are producing music and and need help is is really right. cool um do you what level of experience do you see amongst your members uh there are amateur quote-unquote amateur producers i have heard their music and it sounds better than music i've ever heard before and then there are people who are well marketed but they don't necessarily have the polish so they're lacking in that regard so it's this it's a a symbiosis you know there's there's a yin and a yang to the benefit of you know uh for instance a, a dj duo Usually right, right. I've seen one of them is more of the producer, wears more of the producer hat, and the other one wears more of the DJ or, or, or marketer hat. And together they combine with this super group or whatever it's called. Um, but, you know, that's really hard to learn and do all by yourself. And and the expectation should not be that you'll be able to do that as a brand new artist, that that comes from the course of a career over years of learning. And, and so when you're asking about the uh, the spectrum of types of artists, you're also talking about the spectrums of experience and familiarity with all these different DAWs, you know, digital yeah. audio workstations, all these different venues, all these different behaviors, all these different uh, crews or clicks, as you might say, you know, how to, to behave. And so there's, there's a very steep learning curve that I am hoping that FLP will help to mitigate. Do you see, What's your opinion on, I know I'm kind of throwing you under the bus because we didn't talk about any of these questions sure. ahead of no, time, I'm, but I'm, do you see um, the, the overnight success? Is that a thing? Like, or is it always, like, do you ever see somebody who's, as a producer, because since, since you deal with producers, this mm-hmm. is pretty relevant, because right. a lot of DJs will say, well, if you want to become famous, you want to get big bookings, start producing your own tracks and, and you know, just make a hit, right? Right, <laughs> right. Know? Easy um, enough, is course. is that what you're seeing? Is it like, does it come across as we need to, you know, somebody comes out with a hit and then suddenly they're rocketed up or is it just grind, 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 grind? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I'm asking if you've seen any of that behind the scenes happen. Uh, yes. And, and so to answer your question about uh, that grind, that grind is always there and it should be expected that nobody okay. should think that they're going to be entering into a career where what they're doing is trying to make music that's going to be likable by broad-based audiences. Mm. That's that's entirely unpredictable. Um, and, and so you can study certain trends and you can do your best to mimic, but what I've found that gives an artist uh, staying power and endurance over the course of a long career is that they believe in themselves is that they believe in what they're making and they do it for that love that they don't do it to please others. I mean, that's definitely a component of it, but that their primary goal is to make music that is self-expressive in the business world. They say the riches are in the niches. Now I, I hesitate to use the word riches when it comes to the music industry, yeah. but I think the the point comes across, you know, kind of, uh, niching it down to find a what you're good at and passionate about mm-hmm. when it comes you know musically sound wise and then b finding the other people that resonate with that sound um with flp are you are you curating the artist are you promoting the artist or is it like a q a kind of situation um 
I'm asking for promotional tips if you have any, but I don't know if that's what FLP does. Uh, again, in the spirit of you know willingness to do anything, yes, uh, that that's something I'm trying to learn how to do. Okay. Um, for FLP is to become an engine of growth in any regard for these artists, including promotion. Uh, but an example specifically to your point of what what that looks like would be when we did an event at Stage Door. So my friend Ben Goulart, who is by Reticuli, yeah. um, he runs uh, the Stage Door Open Decks. Uh, I think pretty much every every Saturday night or something like that on a regular basis. And he allowed us to come up and curate the night and promote the night and brand it as an FLP prevents, uh, pre presents night. And so with that, um, one of the artists, uh, my friend Barry Leonard, DJ Barry Leonard, he's a techno DJ. Um, he came on and, and got us at his old radio station, uh, W, uh, it's the NPR station in, in Dayton. YSO? Why so? Yeah, why so? That's what I was to say. So we actually had an interview with his um, former program, uh, Why So? And and that's just another example of something I had never done before, just like today, um, stepping into uh, a new experience and trying to uh, be uh, a rising tide that lifts all boats at the same time. So that's great. So you'll, uh, how do you choose which artist to bring in? That's got to be difficult because I know you've got more than five or six yes, <laughs> members yes. that, that make great music. So Well, that, that's a great question. So to do that effectively, I think it's a combination of experienced and well-known artists with ones that are new and not so well-known. Okay. And I do it in a way, I've done it in a way that's been disruptive. So there have been, let's say, somebody who's better known for scoring uh, films, and his name's Eric Halmers, uh, he goes by Ditech. So, you know, Eric doesn't really play shows like that very often, but to have him on a bill with uh, War Chief from, from Dayton, Nick Benavidez, who plays uh, an, uh, incredible music and, and produces incredible music and has his own YouTube channel. Um, so there's just a lot of different iterations of promotion, iterations of experience that when combined, people can actually learn from each other. So that's pretty interesting because I, I never really thought about it, but you have a, a unique challenge with the producer thing where uh, a, a DJ, there are exceptions, but a DJ is almost always willing and able to be a, a public performer. It's kind of part of the right. job. Whereas producer is, it could go either way. You know, some right. people are DJ producers, some people do live shows and, and some people just like to make music. Right. And so you probably run into a situation where people don't have a following as a performer, you know, exactly. so they, it's, you can't book them and expect 50 of their friends to show up like you can some DJs. Right. Right. Uh, so is, is that, I guess that's kind of what you're doing is kind of combining people who have a live following with those that don't so that you can Correct. introduce them to to the music yes so so as an example that i think that particular show was last year at pavilion uh, in mount adams in cincinnati and that was uh, an event where i think nick and uh, eric performed and then uh, a dirty bird artist named tom reed was there as well uh, he's one of our ambassadors uh, okay so tom reed uh, so you know him well and and another artist named uh, davy c david concepcion so he's well known in cincinnati for uh, formerly mint and now uh, gala park and okay. and so you know a, a place where the veterans are mingling with the noobs yeah, yeah. So, so that they can be noticed, and where they otherwise might not. Yeah, that's true, and it's hard for me to think of that. It's hard for me yeah. to do that because my angle is always what is to the benefit of the artist, and mm. that is not necessarily to have a massive following. It may be to refine your craft. 
Um, okay. So it, it, there's no outcome that's necessarily desired besides facilitating the relationship to happen. Do you run into situations where the some of these producers don't really know how to perform or interact with the crowd or even know what a live performance would mean to them? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, what do you do with that? Do you just not book them because they're not a good fit or are you trying to find ways to make that work? I mean, oh, no, I, I think that that actually is the solution is to book them. I think okay. the solution is to that's the reason them, you booked them. That's the reason. Well, right. To give them uh, an opportunity to, to flex or to shine and, and get, get that practice in. Um, so there was a friend of mine, Matt Gonzalez, uh, who now he goes by Dr. Rubix and he has a collaboration uh, dubstep trap kind of hybrid uh, that has lots of plays and he's getting great attention as a producer, but he didn't perform for a very long time as a DJ. And when we actually had that event in Dayton at Stage Door, he played and he came out with a giant Rubik's Cube head, just like Dead Mouse. <laughs> okay. you know? So you can tell he was a secret artist and we brought him in through the back door and it, yeah. was, it was really fun. Um, and it was the day, I think, or the day after Avicii had passed away. Okay. Yeah. And so he played. He was the he was the quote unquote headliner. You know, the last person to play. I think, and uh, you know the, the the rising tempo over the course of the night and the expectations of the more lively the livelier music to be played later in the evening. Um, that at that very last set, you know, you're expecting people who were there to be the most excited of all, no matter what the show is. Right. Um, and so he arguably had a lot less experience than the other artists on the lineup. But that disruption was to book him last and to give him that quote unquote headlining opportunity. This, this so. is great. So this is why I wanted to come and talk to you or I wanted you to come and talk about this in person so I could learn a little bit more about what you're doing because I didn't realize this side of it. So that makes me happy because I kind of wish Tony was here today to talk about this because he would have some insight. But, you know, we talk a lot on the show about, uh, let's say, superstar DJs that start out as producers and then they produce a hit and then they're thrown on stages and then they don't know what to do and that's where you end up with these djs who play a mix cd or if not so egregious as that they just kind of mime their set and they've got it very planned out and they just slam mix from one to the other and they're not right. really doing a performance in yeah. the same way i mean hyper programmed yeah and and there are reasons to do that and and ways to make that sort of thing work but uh, it makes me happy as somebody who's into the DJing thing to know that you're kind of taking these artists who don't know how to perform live and making them figure it out. Sure. Uh, you know, mm. before that potential trial happens. by fire. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's perfect. I think so many so many big name DJs never had that opportunity, mm -hmm. and then uh, old school DJs like to complain about how much of not a DJ they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And not that this is a DJ approach, but it's kind of the same thing. A, lo sure. a lot of people become famous as DJs because of their productions when right. they don't really know how to DJ. And it's, it's not exactly yeah. their fault. That's the method of playback. That's the predominant method of playback for electronic artists is yeah. by DJing or by doing something that resembles DJing. So you're live producing or something like that. Yeah. But it's not. I think it's important to distinguish that there's a DJ culture. And there's a producer culture. And so it, it, they're complementary, you know, and they work well together. Again, that's symbiosis. Um, but the producer's mindset is probably focused and structured in such a way that's a lot different than 
or, or less fluid, you might say, than, yeah. a D, than a DJ's. A DJ's always thinking about how does one song blend into the next. It's uh, like comparing a DJ and a band. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So a, ba- a band might be a little bit more, um, each song is its own thing. And so to kind of teach them that mindset of when you're performing, people are expecting that, you know, rather than we had at that same show, uh, my friends, um, uh, Chungus, it was a duo. Uh, they did live production. Okay. They would tell a joke before their song. <laughs> And then it would be joke and then it would be song. And okay. so that was a neat way to open the night to kind of get it conversational, yeah. but probably not going to work at like peak hour. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and not everybody is going to be, you know, like if I get behind the decks, I might start at 121 BPM and end at 125 BPM or something. But if you have producers in there, they, they might be all over. It's just like a band. They might be all yeah. over the place and it's just not, you're not going to have that same kind of flow and that's not what right. they're doing. No frame of reference. Yeah. Or, or le- less frame of reference. And so to kind of bring them around people who are experienced DJs and, and are comfortable in that element, they can go, oh, this is kind of how it's supposed to be or this is how it's kind of supposed to look in a nightclub setting. Yeah, there's a lot that DJs and producers can learn from each from each other if they lean one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one often leads to the other. I started in production. That's what got me interested in yeah. DJing. And now I have a DJ brand somehow. You Very know, it's cool. just the way it's worked yeah. out. Um, and it's... I'm always learning things from my producer friends and vice versa because it's the way that modern digital DJing is now. It's it's very or it can be very live remixy. And so it's mm-hmm. it's not unlike what a producer might do if they're jamming out some patterns. You know what I it's mean? It's not totally different. I've, I've got a machine studio back oh, there cool. behind you and it's I mean it's it's the perfect mix between the two. Yeah. It's you know I can kind of go either way with it. Um, so I, I think that, let me ask you this, do you, and I know I'm kind of asking DJ questions now, but where do you think that DJing or let's say electronic music performance, I feel like it's going in a more live remixy direction, but there's a certain point where (laughs) it's almost like the, the uncanny valley of, of DJing. Like you, if you get too far into producing then you're doing a live performance that's cheating because you're using loops and blah, 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 blah. But if you automate your producing too much, then I don't really know how to put this into words, but it's like if you're, the more stuff you do manually by hand, the more respect you get to a certain point and then it flips. Does that make any sense? So it does. (laughs) To bring this kind of back full circle, my biggest crowd as a DJ was opening for pegboard nerds at the Thompson house in Newport. Okay. Um, which is a venue right on the river. It's where the Tommy Gunn was invented. It used to be a mob hangout. It's a giant concert venue bars, uh, okay. it's two floors. It's got a, the second floor is a balcony surrounding the floor. And my, I, my first mix of FLP doing those guest mixes was me. Okay. And I did it just to kind of get it off the ground. But, um, I had a big crowd, probably 200 ish people, um, not all family and friends, plenty of people I didn't know, you know, yeah. so there were their nerves. Oh, that's there. a great launch. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I brought out my APC 20 and all that I did was resembling producing. I would engineer each song so, or edit each song so that it was able to be cued to the next. So I basically came up with a pattern of like 40 songs that I just okay. queued yep. up one after the other. It doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like DJing, you know, and there's not a lot of activity there. And what I learned was I was passing out CDs between transitions and stuff. And I was just trying yeah. to promote the event and talk to people in the crowd. And my friend who was running the night said, 
tell he brought the stage manager said, get tell john to get his ass back you know behind the quote unquote, behind the decks because he doesn't look like he's doing anything yeah. and so you're absolutely right that there has to be some element of of fiddling some element of twiddling fiddling whatever it is with your gear with your controller so that people know that they're actually not coming and listening to playback of something that's been pre-recorded i'm so glad yeah. you understood what i was trying to say there because i turned that into word salad but yeah it's <laughs> um it, it's tricky man because there there's you're never going to please everybody, right? right? So, like, there's, on the one hand, you've got the people that's like, oh, you know, I, I get on my soapbox about real DJing all the time. What are, what's real DJing? Mm-hmm. Well, it's when you have two pieces of wax and a mixer and you do everything by hand. And then you have people on the complete opposite end that call those people dinosaurs and they use sync and quantize and, and everything sure. else. And then you've the got... The dreaded the, sync button. Yeah, this, like, the, the closer you get to production or live remixing the less respect you get from djs it seems some djs i can see that you know it's just kind of it's a weird i don't know it it, it frustrates me because it's like what there's room for all these things right okay let's go back to the beginning you know of of what flp is about how do you define your self-worth as a career electronic musician and if it's external and if it depends on how many followers you have, and if it depends on on how much of a fan base you have, and how many people you can bring to a show, you're not going to have a lot of self respect. Mm. So I feel that that's where FLP fits in to to motivate and inspire, and to be a cheerleader, and to be uh, you know in your corner for that. Um, but the consideration of the venue is entirely different. The consideration of the venue, that's where there's a meeting in the middle. The venue wants you to pack the place. The venue wants there to be bar sales or whatever it might be. The venue wants there to be a profitable event for them. And so I'm looking to try to, while connecting these artists to each other as, as mutual resources to also keep that in the back of their minds that, you know, to get booked and and to stop complaining about why don't I get booked? What can you promise the business owner? What can Mm. you, what can you bring to them? And and, what's your value proposition? What's your value proposition to them and say, you know, in a lot of cases, people are saying, well, I want to throw an event, but I don't know how, or I'm, I'm lost or I don't know the right venue. And, and I think what you have to realize is if you're really invested in doing this long term, you have to share in the risk of hosting the event. Mm. And that is something that a lot of people don't want to do. A lot of people who are artists, they want to come, they want to play their hour set and then party or leave. Yeah. They don't want to they don't want to be a stakeholder in the success of the evening. They will promote maybe the day of, but they won't take they won't take a vested interest and promote that from the day it's announced. That's sort of the general climate we're in overall. Like you, you have to be your own cheerleader. You have to be your own. You have to wear a million different hats anymore. It's this part of this whole gig economy that we found ourselves in, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're our own media companies and, and right. you know, social media managers and, and whatever, graphic yeah. designers. And and it's it's tough to be all those things when you just want to do music, right? Right. I, I run into that all the time. Yeah, that's right. you're exhausted. <laughs> By the yeah. time you get to making music, you're like, man. And, and I, I mean, energy it's, for it. so. you know, even with, with passionate DJ, like mm-hmm. I love doing this, but it does take away a lot of my time from doing the DJing and the production that I'm doing it for itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it, it takes, itself, right. I don't want to say all my time, but mm-hmm. it takes all of my time that I would be doing that. The lion's like. share. And, of it. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. so it's, I, I definitely, um, empathize with, with people who complain about like, I just want to play music. I just want to show up and do my gig and get my check or my 50 right. bucks or whatever it is and go home. Well, the secret is that's what we all want. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you have to be willing to do more, I think, in my opinion. You have to be willing to go that extra mile to ascend. Yeah, I mean, you've got to... We, we've all got to hustle a little bit or we're not going to get anywhere, it seems. Yes. Um, so what kind of hustle are you seeing from members of FLP? I mean, have you... Do you have any success stories? Or I know it's pretty early, so I don't want to kind of throw you yeah. under the bus, but... That's a, that's a good question. So I guess you could look at... Um, my friends, uh, DJ squared, Dan Richardson, uh, Dennis Minton, squigs, uh, Isis Azarine, Aza and Barry Leonard, who I mentioned earlier, a lot of members of our group in there. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so they had all kind of come together and met, I guess through FLP and they formed their own collective called the techno house collective. Oh, cool. THC. <laughs> and it's like, that's cool. I want that kind of that fluidity again, you know, that you're, you're a member of 14 different crews and right, right. it's like whack-a-mole it's like where do you pop up well now they're having a, they had an event at the mock beat which is a really popular and hot venue at uh, in cincinnati where uh th- some of them played there and then prior to that they opened for codes at the mad frog and so all of them played under the same roof and that was like a really exciting time for me i wasn't able to make the show but i was just thrilled to see that happen that those relationships get so solid it's not clicky if all the groups hang out with each other right exactly (laughs) yeah yeah it's again that amorphous so one of the things that i saw in the group i'm I'm shifting gears a little bit here Mm -hmm. but you were working on a a contract will you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there just Mm because i want to share with the the listening audience kind of what what you're doing to help these people sure out um, so I work at a law firm called Graydon in Cincinnati, and I work as an admin. So I'm basically like a paralegal. Um, but this was as a client of the firm, uh, Fresh Local Producers. I created an Ohio LLC. I'm uh, I think it's either trademarking or, or, or um, somehow getting intellectual property protection for it. And as I'm going through these processes, I'm trying to be transparent about them. So I'm trying to share them with others so that they, again, learn and they can see what something might look like should they want to do it for their own purposes. Um, And the latest iteration of that was, um, you know, this is not something that I want to be public yet. I don't want it for the benefit of uh, of every Tom, Dick and Harry, but I want it again with the relevance test to be helpful to artists. For your peeps. For the, yeah. for the peeps. But the peeps are all artists. You know what I mean? It's not, again, that in, especially important to emphasize inclusion. So if you're an artist, what a contract like that might look like were you to be booked. And, and in fact, my friend Alex Harper, who is by Dante, he has his own Inferno Collective in Louisville. He has been a touring Glow Rage artist for the past like four, three, four months. Glow Rage is like a paint party. Yeah, right? okay. Yep. He said that that contract resembled the one he signed for Glow Rage. So there's that edification that, okay, this is what you got to prepare yourself for as you ascend that, you know, when you get to a point where you're expected to bring your own gear, you're expected to be there an hour beforehand for sound check, you're expected to stay until the end to get your payment you know, so that you don't bail, you know, halfway through the show and take the 50 people you brought with you. I've seen that happen at very prominent nightclubs and very prominent parties. And I'm disappointed to see that. So there's a, there's supposed to be something that is again, transparent and especially mutually beneficial to all the parties so that there's that point of understanding that they reach prior to even having the, the, the night of the event. Has there been, as you've been going through this process of, of building this, this general contract, have you come across anything that has surprised you or something that uh, 
people should look out for? Have you learned anything through this process? I have. Um, there are licenses that are important, and I'm still kind of learning about them. Like music uh, licenses? Like, yeah, like AS, ASCAP, I okay, think it yeah. is, um, and BMI. Uh, and, and so that's something that I have to learn more about myself before I can like tell people that this is what it is. You know? If you'd be interested, I might have you back on the show to talk about that. Yeah, we get absolutely. A lot of, once you've kind absolutely. of done the research, because we get that. a lot of questions about that and I never really know how to answer them. Sure. So, but yeah. I'm, uh, it's, I'm dipping my toe in the water, you know? And so I just see that that is, uh, and in fact, one of the more prominent, um, uh, touring electronic acts. There's really no electronic band that compares to them. Their name is Black Signal. They look like Daft Punk and they sound like Nine Inch Nails. They've got motorcycle <laughs> helmets that light up and instruments okay. that light up and stuff. And they're really dark and, and, and uh, intense. Um, so their, I mean, their rider is huge. They've got a lot of gear, you know, that they have to protect. They probably have to ensure. Yeah. And and so of all of the DJs, you know, somebody who has a laptop is probably not comparing to somebody who's bringing. $10,000 worth of equipment sure. with them. So what will protect the $10,000 of equipment will will protect the $1,000 of equipment. And so we're going for that higher end of what is what is the the most uh, fulfills the the most need. Are you so as you're doing this contract, I mean is the the technical writer part of part of this contract or is that a yes. separate document? Well, we'll see because I'm trying to not make it too terribly burdensome, like 15 sure. pages long. I'm trying to make it something that's like maybe front and back two pages, but you know, digestible. So it's, it's also daunting to read through a contract. Nobody wants to do that. So in a way that's digestible and easy to understand uh, for everybody and not in legalese. We'll, we'll bring you on next time uh, with Tony, and you guys can talk about this a little bit because he mm. deals a lot with the, the the technical writers and stuff from you know headlining artists of festivals and stuff. So maybe you guys could uh, talk shop on that. I would love that. That would be cool. Mm. Uh, what else do you want to? Is there anything else you want to talk about or plug or any other topics that you want to share with the audience? Uh, sure. It's open mic, man. Okay. Well, the next uh, showcase, if you will for FLP is going to be co-presenting Darkotica, which is Cincinnati's longest running industrial goth and uh, club night. And okay. that's normally, it was formerly at the dock in downtown Cincinnati on Pete Rose Way. They demolished that club. Oh. So it, it was, I don't know why, maybe to build another skyscraper. But <laughs> this uh, this club now is meeting at Mixwell's in the nor north side neighborhood of Cincinnati. And that's their weekly still. But uh, they've allowed me to kind of come in and get a, a unique venue. So that's at Urban Artifact, which is a, a brewery of wild and tart beers. So it's got exotic oh, okay. flavors. And it's part of the Cincinnati brewery um, uh, culture. And, and so that's going to be happening on the uh, 29th of November. And, awesome. and we'll, we'll announce that soon with like an event page, et cetera. That's public. Um, but I'm very excited to be um, working with these guys. Uh, and my friend, um, Corey Smith, uh, Stiklo, who has been producing music for just as many years as, as, as I've been in the scene. And he's finally getting to become a resident DJ at multiple like goth or, or industrial clubs around Cincinnati. So. That's interesting because uh, tomorrow, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our friend Matt Freeman here in Dayton, but he's going to be coming up to talk to me tomorrow and record an episode. And he's going to mm -hmm. be talking a little bit about the Asylum Reunion Shows. I've heard of Asylum. Yeah, mm. so Asylum was a, a club here in Dayton that uh, they played a lot of different types of music, but there was a lot of that goth industrial EBM sure. stuff mixed in with the kind of the electronic music of the time. So think big beat, you know, mm. uh, that kind of stuff, and also just general pop and hip hop stuff. It was kind of a 
uh, a clashing of cultures, it seems like. And it was a little bit before my time, but Matt used to, to DJ there, and he does these reunion shows uh, pretty frequently, you know, every once every year or two. And they always have a great turnout, and cool. it's it's pretty cool. So I want to make sure I talk to him a little bit about the, you know, what's it like to, to DJ to to goth culture you right. know it's it's kind of it's definitely a minority yeah, compared to to or, the yeah to yeah. the golden uh, era or whatever you want to call right. it you don't like you don't find a lot of fist pumping maybe you don't find right. a lot of shufflers you might find people who are more shoegaze or something but they like a lot, i see a lot of dancers at That's those good. shows it's it's pretty cool they just they get out there and they dance the whole time you it know moves you. yeah so well john thank you so much for joining us today on the show um it's an open invitation definitely come back we can come back and talk about the contracts or anything else you want maybe share some of your music with the audience i would love to that would be great thank you thanks a lot man and thanks to you this has been the passionate dj podcast peace